that's enough of that. This is a GM's journal update. During the period between season three and season four, I was still doing my journal and I shared those episodes with my patrons on patreon.com forward slash RPG Rescue. Of course, now that we're back to season four, I thought I'd better catch everybody up. So this is a catch up episode for the GM's journal and I hope you enjoy it. It's Sunday. Um, it's the 7th of July. It's the morning after I finished the last episode of Roleplay Rescue Season 3 and also the last GM's journal of the season. Um, and, and barring just finishing off a bonus episode, I have come to a point of stopping. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I uh, find myself as a GM adrift. Um, but it's incredible. I've just been doing some serious kind of Houseworky stuff today, which frees my mind for thinking. And I had a big realization. I had a massive uh, realization of culmination of many months. I think of think thinking, and I don't know how to express this quite. Um, it's mostly there in my head. I have a horrible feeling it'll end up being a blog post, which by the time anyone hears this, or if anyone hears this entry, will have been long out there in the world. But let me try and just get the axes of this thought. I have said many times that I believe role-playing games have three primary elements. There is essentially a world, a fictional place, and the fictional characters within it. There is a series of game rules and mechanics which I use to adjudicate the actions taken within that world. And there is a game structure which informs the players and the GM about how best to proceed within that world in the given situation. Those game structures include the time-honoured things like uh, dungeon, tra- dungeon crawls, which I am coming rapidly to call location crawls. We have map crawls, formerly known as hex crawls, um, where we are exploring a territory. And we have mysteries. They're the three primary structures. Um, I think I kind of have some thoughts around what is sometimes referred to as a point crawl, which I think is essentially a halfway house between uh, a hex crawl and a dungeon crawl. It's kind of a a middle point and very similar to both of those. It's got more in, I think, more in um, common with a dungeon crawl probably than it does with a hex crawl because it's less focus on the journey between. Um, But anyway... Three primary elements, um, world, game structure, rules. Um, And I've come to realise over a long period of time that, first of all, the game is not the rules. The game is the game structure, the world, and the rules, the three things together. The game structure and the world are arguably more important than the rule mechanics. You could, I believe, run a fiction within a world uh, using a game structure with really minimal rules uh, the GM could make rulings on the fly and I think that's exactly what Dave Arneson did when he started Blackmore and I think he just started codifying now the second thing is I'm of the view that rules accumulate over time as rulings are made the GM needs consistency within the world and within the fiction and it's desirable within any kind of game there be um, firm guidelines and rules so rules accrete they um, build up over time and that's fine I think that's normal I think a game that hasn't been uh, 
um, played very long, usually has lighter rules, or a game that's been played for a very long time can accumulate many, 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 many rulings, many decisions that could be rules themselves, like ways of mecha mechanically solving things, or it could actually just be details. I think a great game of a game that has very simple rules but actually has many, 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 many details is, yeah, GURPS is a game like that. And I think Savage Worlds is slowly building up its level of um, detail and complexity as well. I think many games just essentially do this. D&D &D is another good example of a game that has just accumulated rulings over time. I think there is a need for a game master to periodically prune their rules and rulings. Um, you will see patterns, and I think one of the great benefits, I guess, over 40 years of gaming has been this idea that we can look at a rule system again and we can prune it, we can streamline it, we can make it tighter. Um, simplicity is always a, uh, a good goal. Not simplistic games, but simple games. Games that use the minimum of rules and other things to get the effect that you want are probably quite beneficial. They make it easier for people to learn. Anyway, as a GM, none of that to me is particularly new, although it's been bubbling away since I started the podcast back in November 2018. What is new is the realisation that I need to build my very own GM's kit and it comes and it needs elements. It comes together from elements of all three of those things. And I've, in the past, I've always focused on making a decision about game rules as if that was the only thing I needed to work on. But actually, recently as I started working on my world and setting, and I've been playing around the idea of, hey, should I just have one world or setting? What would it be like to only have one setting? Um, that idea has really taken hold. Um, and alongside that now is coming this, hey, I mean, there are some game structures that you need to develop. And of course... I'm of the opinion that game structures have been long neglected for a very, very, very long while. They're not talked about enough. And as a GM, I don't have a t an easy-to-hand toolkit. I have bits, and it tends to be whatever game rules I'm using. I tend to use the stuff that's with that rules. Now, what I'm proposing I spend some time doing, and I think I'm going to spend some time doing, is actually digging around for the things that help me deliver those primary um, game structures, things that help me to be effective um, in creating and running dungeon crawls, location-based adventures, and tools that help me to run map-based adventures, you know, hex crawls and map crawls, uh, point crawls even, um, and then also tools that help me to run really effective mysteries. And that probably involves things like um, some random tables that I'm comfortable with that fit the fiction of my world and work well with the mechanics of the game that I'm choosing to use. And that's the final bit for me. That revelation and, and is a real bing of enlightenment for me and something that I'm excited about and want to experiment. And I realised on top of that, and this is the amazing thing, I realised that this all comes and has its root in my solo gaming that actually the thing that allows you to solo game is putting a game structure in place. And there is a game structure I've been ignoring, and it is the GM emulator. That actually the GM emulator is the solo person's game structure. It is, um, you combine that and it plugs into 
um, the broad kind of idea of a game structure like a dungeon crawl, for example. Um, and you could um, have a pre-designed map. I've done it many times, but it's, you know, you know what the map is. Um, or the alternative, obviously, is you use generators to create a dungeon randomly. And there are also the location crafter tools that come with Mythic that allow you to speculate about what's in a location and then randomly generate where it comes out. And it's those solo tools that plug into the game structure and the rules and the fiction. There's, if you like, a, a set of tools there that are actually sitting between game mechanic and game structure. Um, but they are structural in nature. Um, and they excite me because um, having got the Mythic emulator, Mythic's uh, GM emulator deck yesterday, suddenly struck me that... There are many tools there that I'm not, again, I'm not using. And I could use as a GM at the table when I've got players. I could use those tools. It's always been the intention of Mythic to take away or reduce the workload of the GM. And, um, yeah, it's exciting. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start thinking about and experimenting with the tools that I've got and trying to hone down, if you like, Webster's toolkit for gaming, which I guess will be slightly different for each kind of genre of game. But other than that, there's probably some stuff I can find that works really, really well. And then when there isn't something for a job, for a niche in there, um, I guess that's something I'll have to think about creating. Don't know what you make of that ramble. Um, but yeah, light went on. And that felt awesome. I'm so conflicted. It's really difficult. I um, spent a lot of time really thinking about a kind of fantasy game that I want to run and play. And it's a real blend of things. And as I think I've said before, I personally err towards the, you know, sort of weird and pseudoscientific or science fantasy kind of feel. Last night I had an interesting dream. I had a dream that I was running a game using GURPS. Um, although nobody was really terribly aware <laughs> and it was set in a kind of fantasy real world now something has always appealed to me in role playing in the real world I'm really drawn to settings um, like um, Mithras's uh, mythic Rome and mythic Constantinople for example and mythic Britain and I'm really drawn to a large extent actually GURP's own Earth and the Banestorm set, um, kind of uh, setting and those kind of ideas where people are dragged from different places to this kind of mythic fantasy version of the real world. And I've always loved that idea and just thought that would be cool. But I've also always found every single time I come across someone doing that, it's kind of almost too historical. It feels too historical, not fantasy enough for me. And and I guess I kind of like shy away from it. I kind of think, well, yeah, but there's a lot to learn and a lot to do. And emulating that, getting that right historically and all that kind of is a bit of a pain. My dream, this world was, yeah, it was the real world Earth. Um, perhaps um, a thousand years ago, uh, you know, around the turn of the millennium. But it wasn't mundane. It was a, a fantastic world. And... Um, Maybe that's my subconscious just kind of putting that out there. But I love the idea. Um, so what appeals to me about the real world is it's consistent. I mean, I can draw on from history on all of the cultures. I can draw on the resources. I can draw on the, the, the terrain. 
and it's consistent and it will feel real because it kind of is. And the ability, of course, to layer in the fantasy um, to taste is something that kind of appeals to me. But, on the other hand, I don't know, will players want to play that? I don't know, but I really want to sort of, again, I'm really torn, I want to build it, I want to try. Because honestly, building your own fantasy world from scratch is a bollock load of work. And quite frankly, daunting. <laughs> I don't know, it's just a sort of a strong feeling I have that I want to do this project. Maybe for myself, maybe it's just to see what I can do. Maybe I need to go back to that idea that I had a couple of months ago, which I still haven't really executed, of build a series of adventures. Build an adventure in that and see what happens, see what would happen. Anyway, I wanted to get it out there. Record it in my journal. So, yeah. Real world made fantasy? Tuesday night, home after the school gaming club, um, which today we did no gaming. Um, Let me explain. Basically, after our last session, wherein it was, it's kind of difficult. We had four players who were really trying to engage with a particular um, mystery that they were investigating and two other players just messing around, really, being quite disruptive. Um, Today, those same players, all of them arrived, all six players arrived, but they were very loud. And I just kind of put teacher hat on, um, shut them up. Um, so I asked them to listen and then I gave them about five, ten minutes uh, I asked them to come up with some table rules and then kind of left them to it I explained and outlined that I came here you know, I don't want to be in teacher mode when I'm, I'm running game I want to come and be GM or come and be a player and it's, it's free time and giving up uh, away from family and friends and such and so I want to be able to enjoy that time and I didn't, I found it very difficult last session I explained all that, said hey we need table rules Please, guys, come up with some table rules. And I kind of literally left the room for about five minutes, had a chat with some colleagues. Um, and then when we came back, it was interesting because they kind of shared and we discussed those rules and they were happy with them. And then it kind of fed into a general conversation. We started talking about Stranger Things Season 3 um, and other sort of stuff that we're into, just generally geek culture. And, you know, what? we spent an hour and a half really just talking uh, about interests and a little bit about gaming next year and kind of just a good chewing the fat kind of session which was really positive I realized a couple of things I realized first of all that actually chewing the fat and just talking to people and having some social time with with gamers is really really hugely important I can't take it for granted with the adults because we have longer sessions we have more time to do that Um, but actually I kind of need that time with the kids I think get let them get get to know a bit better get let them get to know me a bit better actually the second thing, as I realised, is that I don't necessarily want to be running the game every week, and um, I try and encourage some GMing behaviours. And one of the positives was a student has decided, um, one of the girls, that she decided to take the Game Angry book home to read and get her head around how to GM. So who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, anyway, good session um, with the guys, good time with the guys, really positive, and it's pretty much going to be it for the end of the year. I think it might be get one more in before the end of the year. So, hmm, but I, you know. It was good to out the and get the table all sorted out. Um, and yeah, it felt good. Anyway, I'm hungry now, so I'm going to eat. Shay, Andy here. You mentioned on one of your podcasts you were missing the Friday sessions. So am I. So's Ian. Are you free next Friday? 
And are you up to the challenge of running something for us? Hoping so. Cheers, mate. Hey, Andy, Che. Uh, yes, absolutely. Happy to run something. I have no idea what. But yeah, Friday week, not a problem. So 19th, 7pm. If you got any suggestions, I'm open to them. But I'm sure I'll find something. Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. Play. Game on. Hey, Che. Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor here. I think it'd be kind of interesting to for the 15-minute thing. I know you, you say it's rubbish, but I doubt it is because uh, it's interesting to watch someone's creative process. And it's funny that you're doing that because I've kind of been half doing that. I record them and then I delete them or, or they get eaten by Anchor more likely. But definitely be interesting, even if you put it on your, your uh, Patreon. I'm a patron, so I would uh, definitely be thumbs up for that. So... Keep going, Che. Really looking forward to your next season, my man. And uh, hopefully get some gaming in. I know you're on a hiatus now, but uh, you know you can sneak some some other gaming in between there. So, All right, take care, Che, and enjoy your summer. Hey, Tim. Good to hear from you. Thanks for calling, man. Um, as you've probably heard, actually, I, uh, I've got an invite for a game on Friday. So, yeah, hooray. Uh, dude, um, the... You're talking about, I'm presuming, you're talking about the solo dungeon thing I took about five minutes out of and shoved into the last GM's journal. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but I've uploaded that to Patreon. It's free for anyone, so you don't even have to be a patron to download it or look at it or listen to it. Um, But of course, being a patron, you probably had an email to tell you. I don't know. But fingers crossed that was what you wanted and it wasn't too terrible. Um, Anyway, mate... uh, Thanks so much for calling. I really love it when people call in and I especially love hearing from you and Ivy. And please thank you for uh, for the woohoo earlier as well. I love that. Cheers. Hey, it's Saturday morning and I realise I've been very remiss this week in terms of journaling. Um, and I guess I've been really pretty remiss in terms of gaming. Um, I had a great call from Andy last night. Um, on behalf of him and Ian asking if we can game next Friday. We've had some back and forth online and anyway, and that was great. So the answer to that, obviously, yeah, no problem. Although I have no idea what I want to run. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at this morning. I've I've been doing some chores. I've just taken a break from some chores, making a cup of coffee. Uh, my brain is just whizzing. Um, I've been listening to a podcast by Dave Aldridge talking about Everway and been reminded of the spheres and the whole stuff about um, that game and the the idea of going to different worlds and different places. I know that cross-world and cross-time gaming is something that I love. Um, and yet on the other extreme, you know, in my head, I'm aware I have to produce something for about three hours play on Friday. And I, I want to, I really want to dig out GURPS put something one-off together for the guys and have a game, but I, I just don't know what. Um, so, yeah, feeling conflicted. Sorry, got interrupted there. Um, yeah, go. So, oh, my goodness. Um, I got collecting GURPS books back in the, uh, I don't know, really 90s probably, um, as source books for other games, and because I was mostly reading, um, and also because the source books... They're really good. I mean, I think I think I remember reading one on like ancient Greece or ancient Rome or something. Probably both. I own both, um, and just reading and realizing how pretty good these are as guides to periods of history and different ideas. And so I started collecting them. I had GURPS the edition, but I never played it. 
Um, and when the fourth edition came out, I kind of made the decision in 2004 when that came out, I'm going to learn to play this game. And it's now 2019 and I kind of know how to play the game, but you know, I've never really run it and played it. And I really want to. And this summer is sort of, for me, I've got time time from gaming. I know that solo wise, I, I want to play and I just really want to play this game uh, more than anything else. Actually, I kind of want to get into it. And, um, I kind of think I don't care right now. The people are going to shout at me and say it's game of ADD and you're just flipping around again. But it's a bit deeper, actually. This has been one of those desires and ideas in my gaming hobby for a long while. And, oh, I don't know, recently I realised I'm not getting any younger, you know. And uh, it just seems to me that the weeks and months and days that they go by and you don't do the things you want to do. So it's time to sort of just get into it. And I don't... I don't guess. I guess I'm hoping my my guys I know, my gamers I know, would want to play, but um, I can't rely on it. I've got to dig in there myself. And it strikes me I've got an opportunity. I don't want a one-off game. I'm kind of thinking maybe I could do something simple, um, really straightforward. Use the game rules to try them and, and see how they play with the guys, but really just do something simple, and um. You know, strip out magic and psionics and magic power, special powers and all that kind of stuff. Do something quite mon- fairly mundane, but not boring. <laughs> and I'm really torn because I could do a kind of fairly mundane dungeon fantasy game, which would probably be the most straightforward thing to do. Easy for me in terms of prep because I could dig out, you know, dungeon fantasy role playing game. Uh, you know, the box. Um, or I could do something modern or I could do something... Just a little bit more mundane. I've been looking at the um, GURPS Ice Age because I've always, always wanted to do something set in the uh, Pleistocene Age, is it? How you pronounce it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, during that that kind of Ice Age, you know, Neanderthals and Cro-Magnon and Australopithecus and all that. I don't know. Uh, but then there's this really big part of me that, you know, a while ago, a few weeks ago, I was looking at um, lands out of time, you know, that kind of classic dinosaurs versus humans thing ties in nicely with the Ice Age stuff. Well, then there's even more stuff because I think I spoke earlier in the week about how I'm thinking about doing a fantasy world that's really the real world turned fantasy. And, you know, GURPS, um, Bainstorm is the book for that now. But the Earth, um, their world, you know, that's really predates GURPS actually uh, as a campaign world. And, yeah, it was really exciting. Anyway, I, I just kind of I picked up a few more uh, Gertz PDFs and books and bits and bobs over the last few days and weeks, but got to make a choice, and I don't know what to do. So I think today I'm just going to maybe just going to do the thing of making a list of possible games, possible ideas, and then just pick one and do something with that. That's it for another GM's Journal episode. As always, please let me know what you think and drop me an anchor voice message to share your response. My goal is to create a community of discovery about role-playing games in which you can feel accepted, whether as a player or as a game master. Come and join the conversation. In the meantime, all that's left is to wish you a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Che Webster, And this has been a Roleplay Rescue GM's Journal episode. See you again on the flip side. Game on.
congratulations on hitting 20 patrons. Woohoo!